Thanks, Wazi. And uh, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well and keeping safe and warm wherever you are. I wish I could be uh, preaching to you in person, but I hope you're keeping well and safe. Uh, Today, we're going uh, to carry on in our series on the book of Mark. We'll be going through it for a while. Uh, We're just preaching through the book of Mark as it's written, and God has been speaking to us and encouraging us and uh, giving words of life to us once again. And uh, Mark starts off his book by saying that this is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's, he's made it very clear that his intent and the intent of Christ in the gospel is to reveal more of who he is. And uh, that's what's been happening the last couple of weeks. Jesus has been um, revealing himself as he ministers in the context, healing people, preaching, uh, driving out demons, and uh, he's giving not just the crowds, but his 12 disciples, who he's gathered to himself, uh, unique insights and revelation of who he is, and uh, working hard and being intentional with exposing them to more of who he is, that they may um, just have their eyes open more to his glory and to who he is and what he intends to do in the world. And uh, this has been uh, greatly encouraging to us. Uh, as we see Christ uh, ministering to the crowd, he is simultaneously also being very intentional, exposing more of who he is to his 12 disciples, raising them up, helping them be the leaders he is causing them to be. And so um, this morning, that is what's happening once again. We're coming to such an encouraging um, and and challenging text in in the Scriptures in Mark chapter 6. We're going to be reading it together now uh, as Jesus reveals himself to us again. Uh, and challenges us to recognize more of his glory together. So I'm going to be reading for us. If you have your Bible, you're taking notes. It's Mark chapter 6 from verse 45 to 56. And it'll be on the TV next to me as well. It says this, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. This is just after he's fed the 5,000. Verse 46, after he said goodbye to his disciples, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, They thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded, because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, They came to shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe. 
and everyone who touched it was healed. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that it is living and active and that you intend to use it to help us see you more clearly and, and worship you and respond to you uh, in light of your goodness and greatness. We pray this morning that, again, you'd give us eyes to see the glory of Jesus and that uh, as we deal with recognizing Jesus and his goodness and greatness in our lives, that you would indeed help us do that, help us see Jesus afresh and respond in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we've all been uh, in a situation like this, where uh, you're maybe at a party or something, remember those good old days of being able to gather in groups, and uh, maybe it's a workplace or whatever it is, when you're in a social environment and someone comes to you and says, hey, how's it going? Uh, and you have no idea who they are. And so you awkwardly do the, hey, how's it, man? Hope you're doing well. Uh, and, and sort of do that little dance of, of not wanting to make them feel like you don't know them and like sort of pretending until your mind catches and your memory catches up with you until you finally remember, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this is where I know them from. We've all been in that sort of situation of, of not recognizing someone. Uh, recognizing someone is sort of the heart of, of what we're going after this morning from the text. And uh, we see that basically there's two groups of people as it comes to Jesus, we see uh, the disciples completely miss Jesus. They, they, they don't recognize Jesus as they see him walking on the water. They, they think he's a ghost. Uh, but then we have the crowds who do recognize Jesus, and they respond appropriately with worship and mission. And uh, this thing of, of recognizing Jesus, uh, it is so central uh, to what Jesus wants to do in his life, because uh, and this is what I want to encourage us with this morning, is that in every season of life, whether you're on a mountaintop or a valley, whether you're in a trial or uh, God is just working out in it, things in, in your life in other ways, He is wanting to reveal Himself to you more clearly, that you might know Him and that you might respond in worship and be formed more to His likeness. Of course, though, there's a problem here. And of course, that problem is our hearts, that even though Jesus is at work in our lives, revealing himself to us, primarily through his word, but also just through his spirit and helping us understand more of his grace and goodness, we in our sin fail to recognize where he's at work. We fail to recognize the glory and the greatness and the goodness of Jesus to us. And so we live hurried, distracted lives, without really often any regard for Jesus or his goodness or greatness to us. And we fail to receive the joy uh, and, uh, and just the transformation of knowing that he's at work in our lives. And so that is the, some of the encouragement to us and what I'm seeing here in the text as we flesh out how Jesus helps us recognize him or how he intends to work in our lives, that we might see his greatness and his glory and his goodness and how he is helping transform us to become more formed into people who are fully captured by the glory of who he is. The first thing I want us to look at is that there is a, a particular pattern of Jesus in our lives. Uh, just as we're looking at this example of how Jesus has been at work in the lives of the disciples here, once again, we see throughout the book of Mark so far, Jesus has slowly 
been uh, taking his disciples deeper into understanding who he is bit by bit. He's been exposing them to a little bit more of who he is. He's been uh, increasing the temperature of the conversations he's having with them. He's been exposing them to increasing and deepening spiritual realities, slowly but surely, that they might understand and see and be exposed more uh, to more of who he is. And so at this stage, the disciples have been present when Jesus has been preaching to the crowds. They've been present when there has been heartache and brokenness, when Jesus has had to come in and heal. They've been present uh, when, a, when a girl, a dying girl, has, has died and Jesus in His grace has gone and raised her from the dead. They've been present when there has been a woman bleeding and needing uh, healing. They've been present with a demon-possessed man. And there have been all these situations that have required miraculous intervention. Crisis situations where if Jesus didn't come through, there wasn't any hope. And they've been exposed to this. And here they are once again in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm, wind howling, boat maybe capsizing. We don't know the situation, but it looked, it was enough that these guys, hardened sailors who've been through this plenty of times, were afraid and were struggling. They were struggling and straining at the oar, the text says. It was clearly a difficult moment for them. And I can imagine them feeling, man, when Jesus called us to follow him, is this really what it was going to be like? I don't know if they would have signed up for it, if they had foreseen everything that Jesus would take them through. But such is the grace of Jesus to his disciples and to you and me. I don't know if you resonate with that at all, but it seems at times, doesn't it, that the more we follow Jesus, the more we're being exposed and stretched to uh, difficult situations. I think we struggle to interpret these for a number of reasons. Maybe uh, you've grown up believing that God exists to just make like life easy and comfortable and that uh, he just wants to prosper us and not to harm us. And, and all those amazing promises. So when bad things come into our lives, we just can't make sense of them and we don't know what's going on. Or maybe you, you live in the other camp where uh, you know that God loves you, you know that God wants the good for you, but you know that maybe uh, he's going to help, sh- help do that by taking you through some tough things. So you kind of um, overcompensated and, and you're living life now with your gloves on, expecting trials at every moment. Like God is out to get you. And of course, friends, neither of those are true. Yes, we're going to go through great stuff, and, and it's just going to be a season of, of beauty that we're just uh, full of joy and, and, and ease and celebration. And we're going to go through times of hardship and, and pain and, and difficulty and struggle. But what's behind all of that, uh, and what is Jesus, the pattern of Jesus in all of those things, is that he is wanting to use everything in our lives to help us see his grace more clearly, to help us see who he is more clearly. He's wanting to reveal more of his heart and himself to you in every season and in every circumstance. We see this with the disciples. This is not the first time they've been in a storm. Uh, Just two chapters ago, in Mark chapter 4, they 
uh, go through their first storm. And, and it tells us that Jesus is in the boat with them and they're going through a storm and they're all fear, fearing for their lives. And uh, geez, they wake up Jesus. Jesus is apparently somehow sleeping through this all. That's amazing. I wish I could sleep that uh, heavily. Uh, Jesus, they wake up Jesus and he, he rebukes the wind. He calms the storm. Uh, and this is a, a, a miracle to show them that he is God. Sovereign over all creation, but they don't quite get it yet. They don't quite understand who Jesus has just revealed himself to be. They don't get it. And so at the end of, of that encounter in Mark chapter 4, they say this. It says this, Mark 4.41. Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. See, Jesus has just revealed himself in glory, but they don't get it. And then today, in chapter 6, they're in another storm. They're experiencing the same things yet again. And Jesus is coming to them, again revealing himself. And it says that, that Jesus was walking on the sea and he intended to pass by them. Now that, that term, pass by them, that, that's not that he wanted to sneak past them without them noticing uh, or that he was ignoring them and wanted them to see him give them the cold shoulder. Not at all. Jesus is wanting to pass by them so that they would see him walking on the water. Jesus wants them to see, uh, see him walking on the water. That they may notice and realize who he is. That maybe they'd get it this time. But what happens? Of course, yet again, they miss it. They don't recognize who this Jesus is and they, they think he's a ghost. And the text tells us they didn't understand what just happened because they also didn't understand what happened with the loaves, the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't get the miracle of what just happened. Their, heart, their hearts were hardened. They could not see. They were, they were blind to understanding uh, the revelation of who, of who Jesus was showing himself to be in that moment. And I'm just so encouraged, friends, just as a side note here, of the grace and patience of God's to, God towards us. Because this is just like us, isn't it? God reveals himself in our lives through the situations and the things we go through time and time again. He is revealing himself and who he is to us. And time and time again, we miss it. We don't see his glory. We don't see his goodness. We don't see his greatness. We miss it. And yet he is patient beyond measure with us. He is kind to us. And so what does he do with the disciples? He doesn't leave in a huff disappointed in them that they didn't recognize him. They didn't see him once again. He comes to them and gets in the boat and he calms the storm. They completely miss it. Jesus intended to help them see him more clearly. He, he intended to cause them to worship, even in the midst of the storm. He, int he intended to help them reinterpret their realities in light of who he was, and they missed it. They couldn't understand who Jesus was revealing himself to, himself to be. And friends, this is still God's heart for you and I in every single season. Whether life is, is tough or, or just going really well at the moment, however you uh, define that, uh, God is wanting to help us know Him more deeply and trust Him more deeply and help us depend on Him more fully. 
and to just come to him and look to him and worship him. This is the essential pattern of Jesus in our lives, that in all things we would know Jesus in deepening ways. And he would increase his exposure of himself to us through uh, everything we go through in life, through his word, through prayer. Like the disciples, sometimes we just miss it. And I want to just take a moment to pause here and, and for you to reflect. What's causing you to miss understanding and recognize Christ in your life right now? Sometimes we just miss it because we're too busy and we haven't slowed down enough to be able to recognize the work and person of God in our lives in every situation. Sometimes we're just neglecting prayer and uh, reading our Bible, that we aren't giving space to God uh, for God to speak in the ways He has primarily chosen to communicate with us. And so we miss out. Sometimes we're just too distracted, pursuing a hundred other things. Maybe it's more of a heart issue that, that we're struggling to trust and rest in His grace over us. The truth is, sometimes we forfeit knowing Jesus more deeply because we fail to recognize His work in our lives. And that is Jesus' heart for us. He, he wants us to know Him in more uh, deepening ways, that we might worship Him. And glorify Him. So I want to ask you today, how is Jesus currently working in your life right now? In every season, He wants to expose you to His goodness, His goodness and His greatness. How is He working in your life right now? How can you thank Him and worship Him for His commitment to you and His patience and His grace to you? In what ways can you depend on Him more fully? In every season, in every circumstance, God intends to help us see Him more clearly. And the application for us is that we would take time to look and think and reflect and pray until we recognize His fingerprints on our life. The second thing I want us to just look at, look at in the text is the prayers of Jesus. And we see this very clearly here. We see that Jesus has just finished feeding, feeding the 5,000 and he sends his disciples to travel ahead of him by boat. And it says that um, Jesus spends time alone praying. Uh, fr from some clues in the passage, it would seem that Jesus has just spent about uh, nine hours praying. Nine hours praying. That's incredible. I can't even sleep for nine hours. Uh, neither can my kids, apparently. Uh, maybe we should ask Jesus to pray for them. But, uh, you see, Jesus was spending time praying for a number of things. What was Jesus praying for? Uh, let's just think about it. He's just been doing incredible ministry with, with people over a, a number of days, maybe weeks. Maybe he hasn't time to withdraw. But Jesus always makes time eventually to withdraw and to be alone with the Father to refuel, to recalibrate to his Father's heart for him, to just spend time enjoying God for himself. That's what he loves to do, just spend time with the Father. But no doubt, one of the things Jesus was praying for was his disciples. See, the text says there that 
Jesus saw them straining at the oars. Now, remember, they're far away in the middle of the lake. It's not like Jesus whipped out a pair of binoculars from somewhere and, or, or flew his drone far enough to be able to spy on them. Like that, the emphasis of why Mark puts it there is again another clue to let us know who he is. He is the omniscient God who sees and knows everything. Everything happening in the disciples' life, everything happening in your life. There is nothing that happens that goes or slips by him. He sees it all. And so he responds, I'm sure, by praying. And I just want us to pause on this and spend some time unpacking uh, the encouragement that Jesus prays for you. Jesus sees them in a storm. He, he, he knew what he was sending them into. He knew that they would go through that. And yet he is... Um, okay to expose them to, the, to some of that, but he is committed even more to pray them through it. And he goes to be with them, and we're going to look at that just now, but he prays for them. So if you're a Christian, Jesus is always praying for you. Hebrews 7.25 says that in heaven, Jesus is continually interceding for us. And I want to just look at a few different uh, scriptures that encourage us that Jesus is praying for us. In Luke 22, um, verse 31 and 32, uh, this is Simon Peter, one of the disciples, and this is, this, this is what Jesus says to him just before uh, Peter um, denies Jesus. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back to me, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus knew what would happen. He saw the beginning from the end. He knew exactly what would happen in that moment, what Peter would do. Yet he was committed to pray him back home. He is resolved to protect him and us spiritually. I want us to look at a few prayers in John 17. Uh, this is just the night before Jesus gets arrested and then flogged and crucified, and he spends the night praying. And uh, I'm just going to lift a few verses out of this prayer of what Jesus prays for his disciples. Verse 9, he gives some context. He says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Jesus is praying for his people. And verse 13 shows us Jesus prays for our joy. It says, that they may know, that they may have my joy completed in them. Verse 15, Jesus prays for our protection. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He's committed to our protection. He prays for our holiness. Verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He prays that uh, we would grow in our sanctification, our holiness, our Christ-likeness. Verse 18, he prays for mission. He says, as you, the Father, has sent me into the world, that's Jesus, then Jesus is saying, I also have sent them into the world. You're a sent one. Quinn preached on that two weeks ago. 
Verse 21, he prays for unity in the church. He says this, May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. There are are so many more scriptures we could read, but I just want to encourage you with some of those. Jesus is praying you all the way home. He lives to make intercession for you. This doesn't mean we won't face trials. It just means that when we do, we'll never face them without hope and without help. Jesus is committed to praying us through every season that we are in. And he's willing to expose us to some difficulties, as I said, but even more so committed to praying us through them. When we have questions and doubts, maybe you're in a storm right now in your life, I just want to encourage you that you can rest in the prayers of Jesus over you. That you can rest in his goodness and his commitment to pray you all the way home. Even as you wrestle with the uncertainties of life and the uncertainties of what you're going through, even as you wrestle, you can rest in his prayers over you. Just in, uh, in my community group uh, or, or, or small group, if, if you're not from our church or, or whatever you call these groups, we, we call them community groups for now. Um, I, I, love, I love my group. We, we just uh, started a new group at the beginning of this year and God's been taking us so much deeper together. And um, for the last uh, month or two, uh, I just felt in my heart that God wanted us to go through Romans chapter 8. So we've been um, just unpacking it week by week. And uh, two weeks ago, we got to um, verses 26 and 27, and it talks about how God prays for us, and I'm just going to read it to us. It says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray, uh, what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It was just so encouraging as we read that together. I mean, it was a unique night in that we didn't do much of a Bible study or or parsing the words or like looking at the Greek or anything like that. I just wanted to encourage them. I just felt in my heart and there was a collective sense of just the collective groanings that we had brought together on the night. And it became abundantly clear that God was doing a thing. It was such an encouraging night, potent. And uh, it just encouraged us. We shared the groanings of our life with one another. And then we got to pray for each other. We've got to encourage each other that the Spirit, that God is praying us through all things. He he understands the groanings even more than we do. He understands. He carries all the groanings of the world with Him. And He is praying us through everything. It was just such a brilliant night of us getting to encourage each other that God prays for us. I remember just leaving that, feeling a renewed confidence in God's goodness and greatness. Uh, it just it built something of a faith in me, in being uh, reminded of his faithfulness towards his people. And that is something we can help each other with, church, as, as we journey together as a community, 
and maybe you're currently joining this church, we, we would just love to journey with you through this and encourage you, and even today, that there is peace and hope. There is help, and you can rest in the grace of Jesus for every moment. Why? Because you can count on who He's promised to be. And He has said that He, one of the things He does is intercedes for us. He will pray us all the way home. And that can give us confidence in his faithfulness to us. A guy by Robert Murray Machane said this, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet, distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. I just pray that that would encourage you, that God really is praying us. We can really rest in His commitment to do so over our lives. Last thing I want us to look at, uh, and another way Jesus is working in our lives, is that He is committed to come near to us. So I want us to look at the presence of Jesus. See, it says that Jesus can see that the disciples are pulling at the oars and struggling in the storm. He sees it. He's not oblivious. And so he comes to them literally walking on the water. Uh, and there's been uh, some critics in the past who, who've argued that um, the boat, they, they were clearly rowing close to the shore, uh, and Jesus was actually just walking on the beach. But just given the light and the angle of perception, it, it appeared like he was walking on water. Mark goes um, beyond that, and, and, he, and he sees through that potential criticism. And that's why, in some reason, he put there that they were in the middle of the sea. He wants to make it abundantly clear. This was not a, a magic trick. This was Jesus walking on the sea. He says they all saw him and were terrified. They, they could all verify that this happened. And I just want to encourage us with this, that Jesus saw them in the storm, and so he comes near. Likewise with you, friends. Jesus sees the storms of life, and his commitment to us is to come near. And uh, I, I just remember a couple of years ago, uh, Tells and I uh, had an opportunity to stay um, with some friends in, in Mossel Bay uh, or Mossel Bay. And um, it was a great holiday. We had so much fun. And uh, we then moved across to Neisner. And while we were at Neisner, uh, we went for a little uh, row in a, in a canoe. And uh, so we were on the water. And um, if you've been to Neisner, you'll know that there, there's a place where the two heads sort of meet, the, the east and west head. Uh, and there's an opening into the sea. And so we're sort of uh, rowing towards that. And Tal says, hey, oh, let's go row to the sea. How cool will that be? And I sort of reluctantly agree. Okay, you know, let's, let's row to the sea. I'm, I'm getting tired by now, but okay, let's row to the sea. And, uh, and, and what happens? Of course, the sea comes with a little thing called waves. And surely enough, it knocks us over. And here we are, the canoe is filling with water. We, we, we're struggling. We can't get back in the thing. We, you know, it's, it, it feels like it's sinking. We are, we are so far from land. I'm thinking, I can't swim that. I, mean, I know if we've got some athletes in our church and triathletes who would be able to do it, but I'm, I'm, that's not me. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? Like, I'm like holding onto the canoe, looking at Tal's, like saying goodbye, like it's a scene from Titanic. 
uh, wondering what to do next. You know, let's go rowing, she said. It'll, it'll be fun, she said. Uh, and exactly at that moment, we, uh, we had a saving grace. Someone saw us in our peril and came in their boat and, and sort of got us, put us into their boat and towed the, the, the canoe behind them and, and we were all safe. But there was something that flipped in me the minute I saw that boat. I went from panicking for Tales and for myself, uh, wondering how is this going to turn out, to feeling a sense of peace that, okay, no, this is all going to turn out all right. And that's some of what I think Jesus wants to encourage us with and some of what he wanted to encourage the disciples with. You see, in the storms of life, that he came to them and he has committed and pledged himself to be near to you. That Seeing that boat for me, it was a sign of rescue. It was, it was a beacon of hope. It was a, I was allowed to rest now. I could put down my anxiety because there was hope and help coming. Jesus has promised to draw near in our time of need. In all of life, he is near. But I think especially when we are in need of rescue, he in his grace comes near to help. Jesus doesn't always change our circumstances, but he has promised to always get into your boat. Will we let him in? Will we rely on him? Will we call on him in dependence? I, I saw an article and read an article um, on, a, on the Gospel Coalition website this week. You may have seen it. But uh, there's a, a lady, there's an article of a, of a musician. Her, her name is Jane Machewski. And she goes by the musician name of Nightbird. And uh, she's just been on America's Got Talent and um, performed her own song called It's Okay, It's Beautiful. Uh, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. And um, everyone was crying. It, it was amazing. It was, it was beautiful. Um, but what, what made this story so marvelous and what's so encouraging was the backstory to what's been going on in her life. You see, in, in 2017, she got breast cancer, and she was told she had six months to live in, and, and she recovered. But a few months later, it came back, and she, she got different cancer. And, and, and she was just told last month that she's just revealed that the cancer is back. And it would just seem she's gone from one suffering to another, and we don't know how this is going to pan out. But my heart was so fueled by what she has said in, in a recent blog post. She does uh, some writing, and one of her quotes says this. She says, I'm still reeling, drenched in sorrow. I'm still begging, bargaining, demanding, disappearing. And I guess that means I have all the more reason to say thank you because God is drawing near to me again, again, again. No matter how many times he sent away. In a different quote, she speaks about how God is coming near to her again and again. She says this, When it comes to pain, God isn't often in the business of taking it away. Instead, he adds to it. And then she clarifies, He is more of a giver than a taker. You see, He, he doesn't take away my darkness. 
He adds light. He doesn't spare me of thirst. He brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness. He comes near. So why do we believe that when we are in pain, it must mean that God is far? And I love the emphasis there. Of course, God could take away the darkness. He could take away the pain. But uh, I think it is true that most of the time what he has done and what he has promised to do is come near and to bring his light and to bring his life and to change the atmosphere of, of everything we are experiencing. That is Jesus' promise to be near to his disciples. We can count on the promise of his presence. Especially in times of pain and difficulty, but in all of life. I think this was so um, much a part of Christ's heart that we would know this. Because if you look at the end of Mark chapter 8, Jesus gives the commission to his disciples and says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Do you know what the very last verse of Matthew 28 is? The very last thing that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells the the, the disciples, this is what Jesus says, verse 20. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like Jesus' last words, this is Jesus' last words to his disciples. He says, remember, I'm with you. I think Jesus knows how prone we are to feel abandoned, to feel like orphans rather than adopted children, to feel like he's left us hanging high and dry rather than that he's with us in every circumstance. So he says remember because he knows we're prone to forget. And I want to encourage you with that. Remember, I am with you until the very end. We can count on the promise of his presence. I just want to end uh, this morning with those truths that in every season, whether it's one of a storm or or one of celebration, that he is working in your life to help you see him more clearly. He's praying for you and he has promised to come near to you. Uh, And so we we might respond. And I just want to encourage us uh, as a starting point uh, today, maybe over the next couple of days, to just reflect intentionally and think about where is God at work in your life right now? Where is Christ coming near to you? If you could hear the prayers of Christ over your life, what might he be praying for you? How is he revealing himself to you? He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And his pattern is to help us know him and worship him more clearly. It might take a bit more than a a quick glance at Jesus. We might have to stare at him until we see him. But it changes us. Seeing Jesus properly changes us. And that's what we see. And I, I won't go into much detail now, but you see this happening at the crowds when Jesus gets into the boat and the boat lands at the shore. You see, it says that it says that the crowds immediately recognize Jesus. And so what do they do? You see them respond by celebrating Jesus. And then you see them respond by bringing the sick to Jesus. They respond in worship and mission because they recognize who Jesus is. And that is some of what Jesus can do in our lives as we recognize his greatness and his commitment to us. In all circumstances of life, friends, Jesus is at work in our lives. He's praying for us. He's praying us all the way home. 
and His promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And so wherever you're at in your faith journey this morning, I want to encourage you to recognize His grace for you in this moment and to respond to Him in worship and in dependence and rest. We can rest in His commitment to help us and to be with us and to give us hope in times of trouble. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for your kindness and grace to us, that you have pledged yourself to your people, that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. God, we're so thankful that you are at work in our lives, that in every season you are using everything to help us know you more intimately and more deeply. And we pray, God, that you would help us recognize where you are at work, that we might respond with gratefulness, that you might transform us, that we might celebrate the gospel more fully, God. We pray that you would help us rest in the fact that you are praying for us, that you know what we need more than anything else, and that you are praying for what we need most. God, we just pray that you would give us comfort in knowing that you are always with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you can come near and have promised to come near to us. We pray this morning that you would give us the grace to know your presence with us, that we might believe in you more fully, that we might trust you more fully, that we might worship you. And we pray this, God, that you would just help us see the glory of your name and that you would put your gospel joy into our hearts once again. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, keep safe, fam, and uh, hope to see you soon. God bless.